0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the tenth chapter. Praise Jesus said to the twelve, "A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them." For nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted, so do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. That Gospel reading falls under the category of texts, which, if you're going to read them, you better preach them. Because it puts a lot out there, doesn't it? That text is from the middle of Matthew 10, and Jesus is preparing to send his disciples out into the world to do some of the same things that he personally had been doing, except you know what? Even though he was Jesus, the Son of God Christ, walking around in the flesh, he couldn't get it all done by himself. Which meant that if everything he wanted done in the world was going to be done, he didn't need groupies who were going to kind of gather around him and just feel good about how nice it was to be loved while they huddled away from the world. He needed some disciples who would go out into the world to be his desires, to be his love. And so at the beginning of that chapter that our reading comes, this was in the middle of the chapter, at the beginning, Jesus gathers his disciples and tells them he is going to send them out into the world for him, but first it says he has some things he wants to tell them, and that's part of what this is. A disciple is not above his teacher, he says, nor a slave above the master. It's enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebul, How much more will they malign those of his household? Beelzebul, literally Lord of Flies. Another name for devil, the devil in tradition. Paraphrase, not every single person in the world we've come across has been glad to see me, Jesus said. Now I'm going to send you out into the world in my name. Don't be surprised if not everybody is glad to see you either. If they call me Beelzebub, he says. If they call me the devil himself, he says. Don't be shocked when you are faithful. If someone suggests that hell would be a good place for you, too. Now, don't be mistaken. God is love. And we're called to love the world with God's love and with our love, too. But in case our understanding of love is this kind of mushy gushy, you know, marshmallowy thing, Jesus here is offering his disciples a reality check. Sometimes saying what is loving means saying something somebody doesn't want to hear. Sometimes doing what is loving means doing something that somebody doesn't want done. Which means that following the call of faithfulness doesn't mean you will inevitably be applauded or thanked by every single person you reach out with God's love to. Jesus, after all, we dare not forget, would be nailed to a cross for loving the world as much as he did. And that's what he says to his disciples in this reality check kind of moment before they go out. If they don't think much of me, he says, don't be shocked if sometime or another someone doesn't think much about you for following me. Then he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear and love God, of course, he says. That's the first commandment. But no matter what comes your way, don't ever be afraid of people or powers which, he says, can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't be afraid, he says, because here's a precious and priceless promise. Don't be afraid because even a sparrow, a single sparrow, one of the gazillions of sparrows in the world, which are deemed, of course, by the world to be worthless, nevertheless, even a single sparrow, Jesus says does not fall to the ground apart from your Father. The creator of all, a couple weeks ago with Psalm 8, we pondered, attempted to even ponder this, this, this creator of everything, everything, all that there is. The creator of all, Jesus says, the creator of universes and galaxies that we can't even begin to imagine, much less see. The creator of everything, Jesus said, isn't just great enough to have created everything, it's bigger than that. The creator of everything, Jesus said, is great enough to care, not just in general, but specifically, individually, about everything. Even a single sparrow that is just one of the world's gazillions of sparrows is known and loved and cared about by the creator of sparrows. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. God loves you even more than he loves sparrows. Now, we need to note that Jesus doesn't, precisely doesn't, tell his disciples here that if we're faithful, we'll never face anything difficult or frightening. He tells them rather not to be afraid, even when we face such things. And the reason, this would have been kind of fun to tell you last week on Father's Day, except I didn't preach last week on Father's Day, and this wasn't the text last week on Father's Day. The reason not to be afraid, Jesus says in Matthew 10, 29 on this week, after Father's Day is because you have a Father. A Father in heaven whose embrace of love no frightening thing, no frightening thing can tear you from. Don't ever be afraid, he says, because even a sparrow, a single sparrow, one of the gazillions of sparrows in the world, does not fall to the ground apart from the Father. For God, the Almighty Creator, Jesus says, is greater than just a God who has great and almighty things on his mind. God is also the Father, the Father creator who has sparrows and you on his mind. That said, however, there's a bit of a troubling side to this truth, this promise, that not even a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the Father, Talking about the fact that loved by the Creator, Father or not, sparrows still fall. Happens in one way or another all the time. Wind turbines strike them dead in the air. Droughts deprive them of their food. Predators prey on their young. Storms deprive them of their shelter, and even a short flight on a lovely day through your backyard can turn deadly when it crashes beak first into that freshly, brightly cleaned window in your family room. And the Father's love does not spare sparrows from those life tragedies, and neither does it sometimes spare us from experiencing some things of our own that seem tragic and harsh when it comes to the the final answer as to why in a a loving God's world that is, why do tragic or difficult things happen, you know what, I don't know the full and final answer to that. And in fact, I would make the case reading the Bible that the Bible's full and final answer to why bad things happen to sparrows and to us is that you have to be God fully to understand why bad things sometimes happen to sparrows and us. But Jesus says here is that, you know what, that's okay. Not understanding. Because understanding has its place, it's a good thing, but ultimately, understanding is not what defeats fear. Faith, Jesus says, is what defeats fear. Faith in the one who promises that no powerfully frightful thing is as powerful as his love for you, midst things you understand and midst things you don't. Don't be afraid, he says, for not even a sparrow falls to the ground apart from your Father. And you are of more value than many sparrows. That's a promise which believed and rested in defeats fear. But then he goes on to say this whole list of things that had you raising your eyebrows even as I read the gospel lesson. These all in a row, tough to understand, tough to even hear things. Starting when he says, everyone who acknowledges me before others... I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven, but whoever denies me before others, I will likewise deny before my Father in heaven. This does not sound like Jesus to me. I don't understand this entirely. Here's a few things I think I understand about what he's saying there. One thing, (coughs) he is asking these 12 for a commitment. All right? This is the language of commitment. Another thing about this verse is is that faith in him isn't meant to be something that only you and him know about. It's meant to be acknowledged. It's meant to be lived out. It's meant to be not hidden, not denied in the presence of others. But there's something else I keep in mind that whatever I think else he means, you have to keep this in mind. When Jesus says, deny me and I will deny you, you have to remember that later in Matthew, Peter will deny Jesus three times before others. And Jesus will not give up on Peter. He rather, after Easter, he goes and finds Peter and he reaffirms his plan to build his church on faith that is faith like the faith of Peter, which is faith that knows that we aren't saved by following Jesus perfectly. We are saved by grace through faith in his perfect love and his perfect forgiveness for imperfect people. Which takes us to another strange sounding, hard verse to hear. Jesus says he didn't come to bring peace to earth but a sword. Which is really strange if you interpret it to mean that he's telling his followers to pick up swords and enforce right with might. Listen carefully. Zealots, Jihadists, crusaders. He's not saying that. He is not saying that at all. After all, if you recall, when Judas led the soldiers to the Garden of Gethsemane to arrest him on Maundy Thursday, one of his disciples did draw a sword and started fighting back, and Jesus told him to stop. And to put his sword back where it came from, and then he reached out to heal the wound of the one whom his sword-drawing follower had wounded. No, certainly no. Jesus is not in this verse about not bringing peace to earth, but a sword, saying and his that he and his followers should be violent. That is exactly not what he taught them all over the place. What he's telling him in this place. I think, is that even though they would be nonviolent, they could count on being opposed violently. Which, of course, is a truth that would see him nailed to the cross. Because you can love people to death, but you can't make everyone love you for being loving. Some will hate you for being loving especially if you start giving them the impression that you and or God do love those whom they don't love or can't love or just plain refuse to love. Which takes us to the last portion of this reading, which also once again sounds terribly strange, troubling to hear. Jesus says, whoever loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Well, Jesus is here not saying that we who are parents should love our children less than we do or that we who are children should love our parents less than we do or that we who are husbands and wives should love our spouses less than we do. I'm pretty sure that God wants us to love our children and our spouses and our, and our parents more than we do. But the thing he's saying here, the clear thing he's saying here is that even more than that, must be our love for God who gave our loved ones to us. But loving God more than them, loving God more than all, do you know what? We won't love our loved ones less. Loving God more than all, we will love our loved ones better because we will remember that our children, for example, aren't ours. They are God's gift to us. For God is the creator and the giver of all. And knowing that they are gifts from God, we won't smother with them with the need to grow into our hopes and plans and dreams for them, but rather we will nurture them into the hopes and plans that God has for them and into the dreams that God has given them to dream. And knowing that they are gifts from God too, we will, we will do all that is ours to do it to do one more thing, and that is to keep that promise we once again gathered around the waters of baptism and made again today. We will raise them in the direction of faith, faith which knows that, yes, we love them, but God, their Father in heaven, loves them even more than we do and loves them even better than we do, loves them better than we can because we love them with love that can't keep an eye on every sparrow or every move they make, God the Father watches over them always. We love them with love which as they grow will continue to see an ever increasing distance between us, first measured in feet as they have their own room and then measured in yards as they go out to play in the yard and then measured in blocks as they go to school and then often measured in miles as they advance in school and then often measured in miles and miles and miles as they continue toward hopes and plans and dreams and we can't be with them across all the miles but God the Father loves them better than we can. God the Father is with them always and everywhere. And of course, we love our loved ones with love which one day we'll see more than miles between us. We love our loved ones until death parts us, which death does and will. But God the Father loves our loved ones better than we do, better than we can, because nothing, not even death, can tear them or you from that embrace. And when we love our loved ones enough and love God enough to love our loved ones in the direction of he who does love them best of all, do you know what we will have given them the opportunity to do? We will have given them the opportunity to live their lives, not in fear, but in faith. Resting in the promise that the almighty God who created galaxies and sparrows is their father in heaven, who also created, and oh, so loves them. Amen.